There was a dragon in the manger. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Well, maybe not in the manger, but nearby. On Friday, we began to get a larger view of this thing we call Christmas. What did Jesus' birth mean not only to men, but to angels? And another way of looking at that is to ask, what if he had failed? There were certainly forces trying to bring him down, including that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, the dragon. Here's Jim with part two of Why Were the Angels Happy? When Satan is given by God, when the dragon is permitted by God to give his best shot at conquering the world, and bringing all the world's people under his sway and making it impossible for God to fulfill his plan of ultimate redemption and salvation. See, the angels knew that. They did have a dog in this fight. And look what happens. Now, what you have in those first several verses Uh, those first six verses, you have a telescoped view of the pregnancy of Mary all the way up to, in time, all the way up to the time when her descendants, as we read, she, she has a place prepared by God to be fed there. She flees into the wilderness. And what's Satan's experience? What's the dragon's experience? Well, he's been trying all that time to destroy her seed, to destroy the nation to whom God made the promises. He was born king of the Jews, not king of Rome, not president of the United States, king of the Jews. And the specific promise was made to Mary, and the angel said, he shall, he shall sit upon the throne of his father David. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So there's no question about the Jewishness of the child lying in the manger. And no question that he came into the world to eventually rule all nations with a rod of iron. No question about that. And no question that a part of that would mean the total destruction of Satan. And that's what the rest of these chapters in the book of the Revelation talk about. Look at it with me. Verse 7 War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought but could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. Could that be the pollution that needed to be cleaned out of heaven? Probably a part of it. But at that point, the dragon no longer has access. The dragon... The dragon no longer has access to the very presence of God. He is banished to the earth along with his angels, those who have chosen to follow him. Verse 9, so the great dragon was thrown out. He's the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Now, here's the part of the pollution that was in heaven. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. That's the dragon. That's the serpent. That's his angels. The accuser has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night talks about them overcoming him. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury because he knows he has a short time. Verse 13, When the dragon saw that he'd been thrown to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male. Who would that be? He can't touch Mary. She's at home with the Lord. But he can go after her descendants, especially her descendants, her children, in truth. The woman was given two wings. She could fly with the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness where she was fed for a time, times and half a time. That's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years, the same time that was mentioned over in verse 6. Now, the earth keeps the woman from being destroyed by the dragon. Verse 17, the dragon was furious with the woman and left to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony about Jesus. Those are his targeted enemies. And he, that's the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. In order to help him accomplish his destructive purposes, we read that he empowers another person. You read about it here in chapter 13. The dragon, we read in verse 2, gave him, this beast, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. One of his heads uh, appeared to be fatally wounded, but his fatal wound was healed. Satan has the power to do that. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. They worshiped the beast, saying who was likened to the beast, who was able to make war with him. A mouth was given to him to speak boasts and blasphemies. He also was given authority to act for 42 months. There's that same 1,260 days, time, time, half a time. This is a specific period of time in the future when Satan has the power to do these things. He, will, he began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. Many Bible students see in that a reference to the church that's been assembled and is already in heaven, resurrected, purified, the subject of great violent hatred from the Antichrist on the earth. He was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. He was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All those who live on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name is not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. And you can go on. The next section tells about a second personality that comes into play. And this satanic trio, the dragon, beast, and the false prophet, do incredible things as they subjugate the whole world to their system. And as they seek to destroy anyone living on the earth who has the testimony of Jesus and who keeps the commandments of God. 
who is sensitive to and yet worships God for a period of 1260 days. Now, who is this beast? Who is this one empowered by the dragon? Well, he's called Antichrist. He's, he's a substitute for the babe lying in the manger. He's the, uh, he's the satanic empowered substitute for Jesus. That's what he is. Now, you can, you can thumb through the rest of the, of the passage, and, and, and you'll quickly find that, the, uh, that Satan has great success for 1,260 days. But then you'll read in chapter 19 that the one who was born in a manger comes back from heaven and destroys Satan slays the armies of the earth that follow him, and place him in the abyss for a thousand years. You'll also read at the end of chapter 20 that at the end of that thousand years, uh, this Satan, dragon, is unleashed for a brief time, and he successfully deceives a whole host of people who have lived under the administration of the kingdom of God on earth, that thousand-year period when Jesus is here. And the Bible says, then God cast Satan into the lake of fire, where the beast, the false prophet, had been for a thousand years. And in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus was talking to the goats, remember the sheep and the goats? When Jesus was talking to the goats, he said, depart from me to where? To the place prepared for the devil, Satan, the dragon, the devil, and his angels the lake of fire. My point tonight is not to be esoteric <laughs> or to be creative or to be spectacular or to bore you with things you already know. My point is this. When we come to celebrate Christmas and we reflect upon the reality of that babe lying in a manger, there's a whole lot that depends upon his career. If he had lost, if he had by some reason defected in the temptation under Satan and chosen to sin, we would be damned forever. We will live forever and ever under the administration of the hateful, spiteful, wicked, deceiver, liar, Satan. The angels understood that. And the angels understood that the one in the manger <laughs> was not only God come in flesh, but that his career his career was planned by God to start a whole new humanity. The Bible talks about the first Adam and the second Adam. First was Adam in the garden, and he failed. And as a result, all of us are 
in a state of sin. We're born defective when it comes to morality and righteousness and relationship with God. We're born defective, and we got that from Adam. And because of that, we were born in a staging condition of death, separation from God, prisoners to darkness. Jesus came to start creation all over again. Now hear me. Jesus came to start creation all over again. He came to be Adam too. He came into the world and took a form like Adam had before Adam sinned. Absolutely human. He came into the world as man to provide a sacrifice, to provide a, a forgiveness of sins that would be pleasing to God. But more than that, he came into the world to take those who were thus forgiven and to start a whole new human race. That's why Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That's why Jesus said, sitting there that night with Nicodemus, uh, Nick comes and says, hey, Jesus, we know you're a teacher come from God. Uh, what's, what's, what's your message? And without batting an eye, Jesus said, except a man be born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born from above. Nicodemus said, that mean I got to be reborn? Enter my mom's womb and be born? Jesus said, no, 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 no. You've already been born once by the flesh, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What you need, having been born into the world through flesh, you need to be born of the Spirit and to enter the new humanity. That's what you need to do. That also, that also is what Paul was talking about. Remember the passage last week where God, Jesus, being the form of God, emptying himself, became the form of a man, became servant, became obedient even to the death. Remember that? God's highly raised him. So that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow every. Remember that? You know what Paul says about those who trust Jesus in the next chapter? He says, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, what does that mean? That means that in Jesus, God started over. God came into the world to become one of Adam's descendants without sin. He was born under the law, perfect human. In his death and resurrection, he provided forgiveness and transformation. Forgiveness from our sins and transformation into the body of Christ into the body of redeemed people, the new race, the race in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said that as we have borne the image of that which is earthly, we will bear the image of that which is heavenly. He talked about Jesus and Adam in Romans chapter 5. He compared and contrasted the two. And in each case, 
he clearly says that Jesus the babe came into the world to start a new humanity. And his, his work would not only make salvation available to all those who would come after him, like you and I, but his work would actually retroact back into past history and provide forgiveness and reconciliation and transformation for even Adam and all the people who lived before he was born in a manger, all the people who looked to God in faith and trusted God. He came into the manger to go to the cross to provide salvation for them, and salvation means more than just forgiveness of sins. It means they are invited to become part of this new creation. Adam's creation is doomed to die. Adam's creation is going to end up, the people are going to end up in the lake of fire. The world that God created for Adam is going to be burned up by fire. But the world that Jesus promises will go forever. And the people that Jesus redeems, their names are written in the last book of life. We read that twice. They are citizens of the new mankind, the new creation. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's why in the New Testament, the writers are constantly telling us, don't get tangled up in the things of this world that the world and its customs and its fashions are going to pass away. They're not going to be permanent. With all due respect for our friends who are concerned about the earth and ecology, your work is not going to be permanent. The book of the Revelation carefully documents how God, in confronting Satan, and those who follow him, the beast, how God is going to absolutely destroy the physical world as we know it. It's amazing because there's no future for that world. It's under the curse of God. God made it that way. Now, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, there'll be some changes. There'll be some repairs. There'll be some patches put on the tire. and Things will go pretty good for a thousand years. But then at the end, it's all going to be consumed by fire. Now, angels have a stake in that. That's why they were happy Christmas Eve. They knew that their future was resting on the career of that babe in that manger. And they knew that the dragon was there and knew that he was powerful. As a matter of fact, the most powerful angel that we know of, Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with Satan concerning Moses' body, he didn't take on Satan. He turned him over to the Lord. So the angels understand how very powerful the red dragon is and how very deceitful and effective he is. 
But they understood that in that babe issuing from the womb of that virgin, God initiated a new age, a new beginning, a new start. And in the career of that one lay the future of all things created. That's why the angels were happy. Now, as you read through the book of the Revelation, and I encourage you to do that, especially when you get over to chapter oh, 18, the last half, all the angels break forth in praise and adoration and exultation. You read about it. They do the same thing in chapter 4 at the beginning of this, of this last seven, this, this seven years of earth history where things come to a head. Uh, they break forth in praise and adoration, adoration, because the one who was born of a virgin won. It's kind of like this. Winner takes all. Hear me. Winner takes all. And the dragon lost. And the angels that followed him, they lost. And the sons of Adam who follow him, they lose. But those who follow the man-child, who trust him and entrust themselves to him and believe in him for the effective and efficient work of his redemption through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and through his coming again. They win. And they win it all. Win it all. So, why am I happy at Christmas? Because I look in that manger and see one who is my Savior who is my only hope, who is able to give me a whole new beginning, not just forgiveness for my past, but absolute hope for my future. And that future includes everything, including a new heavens and a new earth. That's pretty spectacular. Friday and today, Jim has been asking, why were the angels happy at the birth of Jesus? And it turns out there were several reasons that we know of. We always thought they were joyful for us, which is a nice thought and still true. And they were surely pleased for God, seeing the unfolding of his righteous plan. But angels had a dog in this fight as well, as Jim put it. All of creation, including heaven, benefited from the Incarnation. The message is available on CD for your gift of $7 or more. The title again is, Why Were the Angels Happy? You can order it by mail or by phone. Please hold on for that information. As you're giving to those close to you this season and giving to those in need, please consider one more gift to write start. Listener donations are the only way we can keep these messages coming. And please pray for God's blessing on the ministry as we continue to pray for you. Thanks to all those who have helped us this year. If you'd like to come to our aid, you can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA, 
or call 1-800-984-2313. Again, that's 800-984-2313. On the internet, find us at rightstartradio.org. You can donate securely there, and we will not spam you if you do. You can listen to radio shows as well as full sermons from the site, download sermons, send us an email, even link to Apple Podcasts to get the show that way. It's all there at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We'll continue to think about Christmas on a higher level tomorrow. Please be here on Tuesday, if you can, for the next edition of Right Start. Thank you.